Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 46. My guest this week is Armin from the Buttered Pop podcast, and we are going to break down the premiere of Vanderpump Rules. After that, I'm going to give recaps of The Real Housewives of the OC and Dallas reunions. But first, a little bit of tea. So I told you all last week that Caroline from Below Deck seemed to be a little bit off. And she had alleged a lot of really crazy things that happened. One of these crazy things was that Kate Chastain and Josiah were screaming at her to leave and shouting things about her having a herpes outbreak and saying disparaging comments about her mother. Since that time, she went on an epic 20-hour Twitter tirade in which she accused Kate Chastain of narcissistic abuse and called other crew members and even Andy Cohen that they acted as her flying monkeys, which is a reference to the Wizard of Oz and the Wicked Witch and her flying monkeys. Um, She insists that there is video footage to back up her claims of the things that Kate and Josiah said to her about the herpes and about her mother, and that producers will not show it in an effort to protect their queen. Um, She said she has yet to receive an invitation to the Below Deck reunion, but if she gets one, she will accept it. Um, And... Really oddly, she was tagging at TV by Bravo instead of Bravo's actual Twitter handle, and at TV by Bravo is just a fan account, so that was very odd. Um, This Twitter debacle led her Twitter account to be temporarily restricted because of just how often she was tweeting and how crazy her tweets were becoming. And I think I've mentioned this before, but I always wonder, you know, what kind of psychological screening people go through to get on these shows and is it ever worth or not worth having a particular person on a show if they seem to be just a little off or that something could potentially be very wrong in their lives. And I feel like that could be the case with Caroline. Now, the craziest thing that happened this week is that Caroline called into the Watch What Happens Live after show. Um, This was the episode that had Captain Lee and it had Riley and Ross, her castmates they were on watch what happens live and she calls in as Susie from Nebraska but then it becomes very clear that it's her and she kind of goes after Andy Cohen who handles himself so well tells her that she looks just like Ellie Kemper from Kimmy Schmidt and that she's definitely welcome at the reunion but you should have seen the look on Captain Lee's face and on Riley and Ross's face when they realized it was Caroline that called into the show. 
their faces were remarkable. I highly recommend that you go online and Google this. I believe it's on Bravo's website. They keep all the after shows on their website. And this one was just, I have not seen anything like that in a really long time. Um, But all joking aside, I am very worried about Caroline. I'm very worried about this reunion. I have no idea what she is got going on in her head, but she seems convinced that everyone is against her and that they're all working to protect Kate and that she is on some sort of justice mission to reveal the truth and won't stop until it's revealed and taking down Kate and taking down Andy Cohen. And it's like, okay, calm down. So we shall see what happens. Anyway, time to get into some Vanderpump rules. So this week I was a guest on the Buttered Pop podcast and I am going to replay the interview that Armin and I did together talking about um, the premiere of this season, season seven of Vanderpump Rules. Hope you enjoy. I'm Armin, and I'm so excited to be joined by Mandy Slutsker, host of Is This Real Life, the podcast. How are you, Mandy? Good. How are you doing? Uh, This is the best day of the year. Vanderpump Rules is is back. It is the second night of Hanukkah, and it is Pump Rules premiere night, and I have just been eating latkes, drinking rosé, and celebrating. Is this the best gift Bravo could have given you on the second night of Hanukkah? It is. And um, I watched it with my puppy. It was her first time watching Vanderpump Rules. How did she react? Well, she was happy to see her namesake on television. Um, My dog's name is Stassi. Did you name her after Stassi? Of course. (laughs) Okay, you are such a super fan. I didn't know this. I was like, her name is Nastasia Bianca at the vet. (laughs) I love this. This is great. Are you gonna Are you gonna read Stassi's book to your puppy? Yes, but I hear it doesn't come out till April. But she is a basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she is. I I can't wait to read it. Eddie said he's going to read it seventeen thousand times. I think that was the exact amount he said. I believe it too. I love Stassi, and it scares me how much I know about her without actually knowing her. Like, I was going to the wine store to figure out what wine to get to, to tonight. And I was like, oh, I need to get Sincere because that's her favorite. <laughs> well, now her favorite is Witches of WeHo. Right. But I hear that doesn't, does that not come out till 2019? See, you know all the facts. Yeah, I'm sure it hasn't come out yet, but they started promoting it. I know. They're like potion number, like, it, it looks so good. Even if it's terrible, I'm going to drink it. I oh, just like the Vanderpump Rose. Right. You you drink it regardless. I drove yeah. three hours to a rose signing event in Philadelphia and didn't even get a chance to meet Lisa Vanderpump or buy the rose that they were sold out of. No. Yeah, you know, the things we do. <laughs> Tell me if you could ever find Ramona Pinot Grigio. We've been trying to find it. Ramona Pinot Grigio that's been talked about for ages. I think I found it once on a like wine distributor website. So one of my friends held a party once where you had to bring wine from the housewives because like each of them have a wine. It's like a rite of passage. Or a bachelor or bachelorette wine. Like from, oh, do they come out with their own wines too? Well, there was one bachelor who was, he lived on a vineyard and had his own winery. Um, but then Lauren Bushnell came out with wine. This is pathetic, but it was the theme of a party. <laughs> All right, let's circle back because we could, I think we could do tangents for days. Yes. Um, but let's circle back to the season seven premiere. Mandy, I wanted to play a little game that we play often on Butter Pop with you. It's called Rose and Thorn. It's where we pick a winner and loser of the episode, although you could be flexible with it uh, if you want to do a moment instead of a person. However you want to attack this, go for it. And uh, yeah, who was your uh, Rose and Thorn of the uh, season seven premiere? 
The rose is very easy for me. It is Stassi and Bo's relationship. Mm, they just seem blissfully happy and very content. And it was really nice to watch, honestly. The moment when, when Stassi happy cried. Oh my God. And the producer is like, are you crying? <laughs> I this love is the that. happiest we've ever seen Stassi. You know, she came out the gates hot. You know, I am the devil. Oh, yeah. And she was stressed. I, I mean, she was you. in a terrible relationship. <laughs> exactly. With Jax. And we've seen a lot of tough times for Stassi, you know, moving to New York for Patrick, coming back. As Je- as James said, you know, like the crawling, crawling back. And uh, I think this is peak Stassi. I think this, she is living her best life and she has found her person. And I can't wait to see more of him because he just seems goofy and hilarious and i'm i'm here for it in terms of thorns there were a few i can think of katie's ear <laughs> katie's this is so specific well wait what about katie's that ear? piercing looked so painful that needle and they just like left the needle in before he put the earring in i was like i have a needle phobia it was so hard to watch um but it's mainly, uh, it was it was clever, but James's rap. Yeah, that's one of those that could be a rose or a thorn. Like rose for bringing the drama, but thorn because that's a shady thing to do. And how could you do that to Britney of all people? And I do believe, as Britney said, it was intentional. Like he he tried to do that. He was trying to stir things up. He was, and I've always loved James Kennedy on the show. Because he's so great for television. But I think he's a horrible human being. So I'm trying to like figure this out in my head. Because I'm happy seeing many horrible human beings on The Housewives. (laughs) But like for some reason I'm really feeling defensive of like the core Vanderpump cast. Oh the OGs? Yeah. I'm like, don't go after him, don't go after him, and don't go after Brittany. Like, the one person who's nice to everyone. By the way, I've said this for years, nobody had an easier time acclimating to the group than Brittany. You know, it took James a while. Lala may have had the toughest time. Right. But Brittany, day one, she was beloved. Because she was herself. And she's the only person who said, you know, I've never seen the show before, and I believed her. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, she was just this Kentucky girl coming in, authentic. And I think she has meaningful relationships in her lives. Sounds like she's very close with her mom and her sisters and um, her grandma. And she has friends from back home. And they're all the same people. She didn't like leave them behind. So she seems like a, a legit person. That she's got this L.A. life, but she didn't forget where she came from or the people that brought her there. And uh, Jackson, Brittany are having their wedding in Kentucky. Yes, at a castle, I think. Yeah, I saw pictures. It it looked like opulent. I called this. I predicted this in January. I was on the Pump Rules podcast, and everyone was hating on Jax because he had just cheated with Faith. And I said, just you wait. His father just passed in real life, and I guarantee you he will be a changed man from this. And no one believed me. No one. And I was like, I am telling you, losing a parent changes you more than anything else can in your life, besides maybe losing a child or or a spouse. And I really believed that he would figure things out after this, that it was like the rug being pulled out from under him. And and I think it happened. I agree. I you know, sometimes I feel like the cast could play things up for TV. But when Stassi was telling Brittany that she was totally adamantly against Brittany staying and getting married with Jax, but now she sees Jax as a changed man, I bought that. You know, I didn't think that was like for a narrative or I didn't think she was maybe playing it up a little bit. And she's like, you know, maybe I could buy that a little bit. And Jax is a little bit changed. So I could say this. No, she seemed to... She Because they hang out as couples all yeah. the time when there are no cameras. Like, what I love about Vanderpump Rules is that these are actual friends. 
they're not just a couple people who are friends or friends because they're on an ensemble cast. They're legit friends. Yeah, Sandoval and Jax have known each other for like, what, 12 plus years now? Schwartz is almost at that level. You know, Kristen and, and Sandoval dated for six years. Wait, Saucy can we Jackson. talk about Kristen? Because Ooh, I yes. am here for her taking down James Kennedy. The return of Diabolical Dodie. I love right? it. Oh, I love her. And Katie's whole, like, time's up. I'm like, yes, girl. Katie and Kristen have gotten super political recently. If you look at their Twitter feeds, they they know what's up, especially when it comes to women's issues. So I was, I was really happy to hear them say time's up on... Um, James, but also when she's like, um, motherfucking karma. <laughs> yes. And I, I do want to say quickly, I, I agree with you that James is reality TV gold and you need that villain. You know, that we don't have this show without a series of villains, without a series of people whose time was up at some point, <laughs> right. you know, like, um, and obviously not to like a certain extent where, you know, we seriously have to legitimately consider canceling them. Right, right. This isn't a Thomas Ravenel. This is just, right. you know, he needs to be put in his place. He's really exactly. disrespectful of women and and everyone. And, you know, I think he thinks he's like way cooler than he is. But you had Jax. He was the villain from season one through season six. <laughs> and, and he had still is in some yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. The season is young. Yeah, I don't think Jax is fully beloved. I think he still Fs up and is frustrating. Um, but he was like a true villain uh, oh, cheating yeah. on Stassi with the girl in Vegas and impregnating her. Season two, sleeping with Kristen. Oh. Kristen was, of course, a villain. Season two, uh, cheating on Sandoval. And season three, bringing in Miami Girl. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about this earlier in the podcast. Uh, I talked about this with Eddie, Mandy. And what we were saying was, Kristen is at this point where we feel like she's sort of honed in on her powers. Where, whereas earlier on in the series... She was volatile, you know, she was sporadic. She could get fired at a moment's notice, and she did. And uh, bringing in Miami Girl, like, she was really messy, and she couldn't really control this, you know, power that she had as, like, the tech analyst, right? Detective Dodie. Totally. But now, I feel like she is in a place where she could take down James, and she wouldn't, she, she could leave unscathed. Whereas in every other situation... You know, punching James in the face and like season four, all, all the antics. She's like been able to control herself and to control, have like, she has righteous anger now, which is very different from just being pissed. She like wants to avenge her friend. This isn't just about what happened to her. It's what happened to Brittany. It's like, how dare you do this to Brittany? She reminds me, like, I would hire her to be a P.I., Totally. I think that's her calling. If, if the t-shirt business doesn't work out, she should become a private investigator. <laughs> There's like that actress and I like Criminal Minds, the one who's always on the computer, who like finds everything and triangulates all the cell phones and is like the data person. I feel like she could do that. Let's start a petition. Let's change.org. Kristen, you, you've got to pursue this. I, maybe she just needs some motivation. Maybe nobody's pointed out to her that this is her calling. I, I don't know. I bet she'd be more interested, though, in, like, getting revenge against shitty guys than on, like, maybe solving murders. I feel like that could be a Stassi thing. R yes. Definitely <laughs> like, Stassi Stassi's thing. like, no, girl. I can solve the murders. Kristen, you take down every asshole dude that's ever cheated on a girl. <laughs> yeah, what if Kristen had a show like Cheaters? Wasn't there a show that was called Cheaters? She and they... wanted to, I think, host Catfish. She made That'd a like plea to MTV, but I think you can't be on MTV and Bravo at the same time. Bravo needs to like have their own catfish. Yes. Yes. It would be so much better. And then give Stassi some murder thing. Like let them branch out. They're all, they're already starting with wine and books and this and that. They need to host other shows. Let's do it. Let's try it. I, I think so. I think Stassi, you know how sometimes when they show like 
old movies on TV. They have someone like sitting in a chair next to a fireplace that like is explaining the scenes in between. I feel like Stassi could do that for like Dirty John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually that would be great. Have you have you started watching Dirty John by the way? I have. It's so good. I'm a huge Connie Britton fan. Me too. I loved her on Friday Night Lights. I haven't started watching Dirty John, but I was a huge fan of the podcast. I- I'm going to catch up on it. I just haven't done it yet. I've actually never listened to the podcast, but I read it in the really? LA Times when it first came yes. out. You should listen to the podcast. It's great. Is it scary? Uh, it's more intense. You okay. know, it'll leave you on the edge of your seat. I wouldn't call it scary. I got a little scared in yesterday's Dirty John. There was like a couple startling moments where I was like, I can't watch this before bed because I'm like, I'm legit startled. (laughs) I think the show is going to play up that like thriller element, but the podcast is more, you know, this is investigative journalism. This is a story, you know? Right. So it's not really scary. I wouldn't say it's scary. I think, I think you can listen to it. Well, I absolutely loved this season premiere and cannot wait for what we have next. I think it is going to be such a good season And I always used to think that there had to be like villains and drama and problems, but I really appreciate seeing the women all be friends. Like it actually brings me joy watching Lala be friends with Kristen and Katie. I think we're at a place now where the cast is so established and our connection with the cast is so strong that, yeah, you're right. We don't need villains anymore. And I think Stassi's quote in the Vogue article was really accurate. They could be the Kardashians and just go on for 15 years. And oh, the- I hope so. I need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like the Kardashians, you know, I stopped watching a long time ago, but I was, you know, watching kind of in the background. Camille had it on and, you know, nothing really happens. Like there's minor little dramas and tiffs, but not really. And it's really just about people enjoying their presence you know and so they you're right i think at this point we don't need Jax to cheat on britney again and we don't need stassi and Bo to break up we could just watch them enjoy life uh move on to new endeavors endeavors be successful open restaurants write books and and we'll enjoy it we'll enjoy the ride now but i think we needed the villains we at some point we needed it these people are naturally dramatic so it's never going to be completely drama free true so they're interesting and it's not produced it's like well except for the whole proposal but it's it's just them living their lives and they were doing this before there was a show and they'll continue doing it if there isn't a show so you might as well capitalize on their crazy film it and let the rest of us enjoy it exactly and and we'll continue to enjoy it so can you tell me where we can follow buttered pop both on social media and where we can find you on podcasts? Well, uh, everyone can find us on Twitter and Instagram at buttered underscore pop. And uh, they can listen to buttered pop on every single podcast platform, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and even Spotify. And so love you and Eddie. You guys are fantastic. Really think you guys have a great show. And how, when do your episodes come out? We uh, come out usually uh, after an episode airs. So it depends. You know, we have multiple episodes come out a week. We will uh, have a recap every Monday, but we have recaps uh, after New Jersey airs. We have recaps for Dallas currently, although that season is ending. We may have an interview here or there. So uh, we're not like weekly, uh, but uh, just, you know, subscribe and, and you'll find all the content there. That is amazing. And you guys just wanted to put a plug that Butter Pop just had a great interview with Peter Madrigal from Vanderpump Rules, who um, was also on Is This Real Life? He is such a lovely gentleman and um, has great insight into what life was like before Vanderpump Rules, the show started. And it sounds like it was crazier in the beginning, which is hard to even imagine. Yeah, some some crazy Kristen and Stassi stories. So everyone should tune into that. Yes, definitely tune into that and follow Buttered Pop. They are fantastic and love your recaps, especially of Dallas, because I have been on the Dallas train for two years. I'm trying to get everyone I know to watch it. I think it's 
fantastic. It's such a good franchise, and I don't want anyone to sleep on Dallas. You were the first on the bandwagon. I, yes, I love Brandy and Stephanie as I think they're so funny. I love the entire cast. I think they're a great ensemble. Well, Mandy, I've really enjoyed this this little chat. We should do it again soon. Definitely. Thank you so much. So this week on the Real Housewives of Orange County reunion, we find out that it is part two of three. They have a three-part reunion for this snoozer of a season. I don't even get it. And I think that Dallas only has a two-part reunion, and there was so much more that happened on Dallas. So I'm a little frustrated by that. But here is what went down. So last week on the reunion, Vicky accused Kelly of doing cocaine and then said she was basically an absentee parent. Um, they took a break for a lunch, and apparently during that time, Vicky apologized. She said she apologized for repeating the cocaine rumor, but seemed to stop short of apologizing for calling Kelly a bad mom. And Kelly says that during this break, she called her ex-husband, Michael, with whom she has joint custody of their daughter, Jolie. And Michael said that Vicky was lying, that he never told Vicky anything about Kelly's parenting. And and, uh, you know, there's that. Vicky was just like, well, of course he's lying to you. He wouldn't tell you what he told me. The whole thing was just ridiculous. And then Shannon uh, stepped in and asked Kelly to cop stop name-calling. And they move on from this huge fight, which is just mind-boggling to me. Then there's a little deep dive on Shannon and how she's kind of come back stronger than ever after her divorce from David, which just none of that seems to be true. I do not think Shannon is doing that well, although she looked great at the reunion. But she did not seem to be great during this season. Um, she says that, you know, the girls spend time with David and his new girlfriend. And then there's some rumor that the new girlfriend is pregnant. But apparently this week, somebody called and asked her and she said, no, it is not true. But she does have uh, young kids that live with her and David. And so sometimes David and Shannon's kids are there too. And I think it's very painful for Shannon that... Um, that David moved on so quickly. But then a bomb is dropped by Tamara. She lets us know that throughout the entire season that they were filming, that Shannon had a boyfriend. So even when they got together and decided to have a matchmaker for her, that was all sort of a ruse. It wasn't really for real because she was dating this guy. And it was really infuriating, I think, for Tamara and for some of the other women, how she kept talking about how hard it was for her that David moved on so quickly when she had also moved on quickly. Now, it sounds like David is with someone who uh, might be more long-term and that the person that Shannon was with didn't end up so well or was kind of a jerk to her. But it just shows like how much Shannon has been lying to all of us by acting you know poor me poor me putting on this whole thing and she has a boyfriend as well so that just that really rubbed me the wrong way it's like you're lying to us this whole everything about the OC seems fake and inauthentic and what I like about some of the other franchises is we do get to see a lot more of these women's lives and their personalities and what's really happening with them and who they're really dating and what's really going on they don't have this sort of on-camera life and then an off-camera life that's separate Anyway, so then they rehash that one time that all the girls were out for drinks and Emily left early. And they go on and on and on about it. How Emily left, she made up an excuse, said that her husband was at home with the kids and he'd been working all day. And then both, you know, Tamara and Shannon took turns kind of after she left saying, you know, that kind of reminds me of my ex who was really controlling and no one used the term abusive, but that term eventually came out when Emily was asking Kelly, hey, did, did people, were people talking about me and how Shane might be abusive? And Kelly said, yes. 
Anyway, the whole thing was resolved by everyone saying that maybe they shouldn't have compared their relationships with their shitty ex-husbands to her current marriage, which has been going on for 10 years and is the current longest-lasting marriage-slash-relationship that's been going on among this cast of The Real Housewives of Orange County. There was also some talk about Emily being body shamed online, which was absolutely crazy to me because I think she is one of the most beautiful women that has ever graced our television. Her hair, her face, her body, everything about her is gorgeous. And she was saying that she was getting these direct messages on Instagram saying she was fat, she was disgusting, she had to lose weight, she was unhealthy, and... You know, she, I think, took it in stride and said, you know, we don't all have to be the exact same size to be beautiful. But the other women seemed shocked that Emily had gone through this, which just shows how not close they were with her post-filming. I feel like she only spent time with Gina and maybe Kelly, although Kelly seemed to have an issue with Emily at the reunion. I couldn't figure out what it was, but she was just frustrated with her the whole time. At least that's what I took away. Then there is a whole lot that goes down between Shannon and Tamara, who are supposedly best friends, but Shannon kind of gives hints that although they are so close, they don't really talk about their problems with each other. So it all comes out this reunion. So a viewer had a question asking Shannon, you know, why wouldn't Shannon support Tamara's business by hiring a trainer from Tamara's gym if Shannon was going to go ahead and get a trainer and try and lose weight? And you know, especially when Tamara had flown all the way with her to Philadelphia for her QVC business. Like, why isn't she showing Tamara the same support for her business? And it all kind of comes out. Shannon was really frustrated that she had had this conversation with Tamara, you know, off camera saying, you know, I can't actually make it all the way to your gym. You know, it's too far with all the places I have to go with the kids and with filming. And I hope you understand. And it sounds like Tamara maybe did, maybe didn't. I don't know. But then it definitely became an issue that she shared on camera, which then frustrated Shannon. Then we find out that on September 2nd, which wasn't that long ago, it was Tamara's birthday, Vicky and Shannon didn't go. Vicky didn't go because Kelly was there and didn't want to cause a scene, although Kelly claims she wouldn't have caused a scene because the two of them weren't speaking at the time. And then Shannon claims that she wasn't invited. Kelly and Tamara both indicate that Shannon seems to be really sensitive to what people say in their confessionals on on the show and so you know they'll take digs at each other and I think she really takes it to heart like I can't believe Tamara said that about me when really they all are asked to speak about each other and no one else I guess lets it get to them the way that she lets it get to them and so then when the show is airing in real time she ices people out now there is one particular situation where Tamara actually iced Shannon out they talk about a girl's trip to New York City where Shannon treated everyone really poorly so it sounds like Tamara went and brought her makeup artist who she's close to and um, whose name is Melissa and that Tamara was on Watch What Happens Live and they were staying in this really expensive hotel because that's where Shannon wanted to stay although no one else wanted to stay at that hotel and they didn't have much time to get ready before dinner and then going to Watch What Happens Live and Shannon asked Melissa to do her makeup and kind of wasn't taking no for an answer and it really you know put Melissa in an awkward situation she didn't get a chance to get ready herself she wasn't really able to help Tamara as much get ready who was the one who was going to be on TV and everyone just thought that Shannon was acting ridiculous and demanding and Tamara called her out for it. Now this is exactly what I've heard from you know rumors from people who've met Shannon or who know people who've met Shannon that say that she is just really really unpleasant to people around her and acts kind of entitled and just really unkind to sort of quote-unquote the help anyone around her anyone doing her makeup anyone bringing her a drink anyone filming producers she just does not treat them the way that you should treat other humans this is a common thing that everyone has heard and so Tamara's story just kind of 
proves that it's likely true. Then this just infuriates Shannon that Tamara is talking on camera at the reunion about Shannon's behavior, and she just goes, mission accomplished. You make me out to be the most horrible person ever. And then Tamara is so frustrated. She's like, this is why I can't tell you anything. Then this is when Tamara drops the bomb that Shannon had a boyfriend while they were filming, and everyone else seems to know about this by now. Shannon seems to be shocked that Tamara's bringing it up at the reunion. And then Tamara goes into how, you know, you play victim a lot. You said that it was hard when David was dating three months after, but you were doing it too. And your two favorite words are me and I. Me, 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 I, 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 poor, 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 victim, victim, victim. And sometimes it gets wearing on me. And this is her being very honest with Shannon. And um, Tamara says, Shannon, you know, really doesn't ask about Eddie much. And, you know, Vicky's calls her after every heart procedure, but Shannon really hasn't done that. And Shannon fights back being like, I do, I've called. And Tamara points out, you only started calling or texting me after I pointed out to you that my husband has had multiple heart procedures and you haven't shown any interest or asked me about it. So it really does kind of, this really did not make Shannon look good. And Andy asks about Eddie and David and, you know, Shannon said it didn't really bug her that Eddie, Tamara's husband, you know, was hanging out with David, Shannon's ex-husband. But Tamara said, you know, actually that's not true. And Shannon mentions, well, there was this one time when they went to the gym and Tamara says, I had two pages of texts of what a horrible human being I was. You know, and then Shannon goes on and on about how hard her divorce was, you know, how she was cheated on in the public eye. And Tamara, you know, says that was actually like it was it's been four or five years. And the other women just kind of nod like, yes, they've all gone through things in the public eye. It has not been pretty. But, you know, you cannot keep going back to that as an excuse for your poor behavior. So that's sort of what I feel like the whole theme of the reunion, at least part two was, was Shannon just making excuses for her poor behavior and the other women actually calling her out, especially Tamara, about that behavior. Oh man, it was, I don't know why they're making this three parts. It easily could have been made two and I wish, Dallas, I wish it was three parts. So let's get into breaking down the Real Housewives of Dallas reunion. So this was something. What an hour of television. So it starts out with this really weird meditation by Leanne where she's like bong and and you see some of the women trying to take it seriously and then you see Deandra who's just annoyed by it and Brandy who just thinks it's absolutely ridiculous and it definitely got off with a laugh from me. Now, I think the ladies looked amazing, but Stephanie and Leanne's spray tans were just a tad too much. It just really, it just looked like they were covered in spray tan, but still beautiful. So one of the early points of contention in the reunion was that argument between Deandra and Leanne about like who's the number one or something or who's the queen bee. And Leanne was saying that she carries the show on her back. And Andy asked the ladies, you know, isn't part of being a housewife to have a healthy ego? And, you know, I think people just think that Leanne's might be a bit too much. But then this very odd situation happens. So Deandra says that she's been holding on to a secret for two years. And this was shown in the previews and everyone's kind of like, what is she going to reveal about Leanne? And then she says that before she came on the show, she was told by Leanne, just watch out for Carrie because she's going to fat shame you the way that she fat shamed her husband Mark in season one. Now... (laughs) First of all, that is definitely not a bomb thrown. That's not like a two-year secret that we're all waiting for. Second of all, I just think it's a tad ridiculous because her and Carrie are friends. Wouldn't she, Why would she think Carrie would do that? And that was exactly Carrie's reaction. Carrie wasn't upset that Leanne said it. Carrie and Leanne were not friends when she said it. But Carrie and Deandra go way back. I didn't realize this, but Deandra was at Carrie and Mark's wedding nine years ago. So why would she believe something like this? And that's really something that hurt Carrie and made me realize why 
Carrie was on the right couch. So it was Leanne and Cameron and Carrie on the right couch. And on the left couch was Brandy, Stephanie, and Deandra. And it just was so shocking to me that that was the secret that she was talking about. It was total crap. Then they talk about the whole situation in Beaver Creek when Cameron got upset that she didn't know about Brandy's adoption and it became clear that Cameron didn't understand why the adoption was a secret. And that's because adoptions take a very long time to finalize. And Carrie just couldn't get that Cameron didn't understand this. And it was just like, you know, it's just kind of common sense that not everyone, you know, is going to know about this because it is something that you keep under wraps. And then our friend of the podcast, Dr. James Mercer, who helped initiate the adoption, was brought up when Stephanie explained the story of how James Mercer called her and said, we have this baby. Do you know anyone who's interested in adopting? Um, Shout out to Lone Star Social Services. If you are at all interested in being very generous and giving this holiday season, they could definitely use a lot of support. And then Cameron turns things around by saying, well, I don't like, Stephanie, that you lied to me to cover up Brandy's adoption by saying that you were having a baby via surrogacy because, you know, it took me a long time to get pregnant. And maybe, you know, you're kind of making fun of people with fertility issues, and I don't think that's a joke. (laughs) To which Stephanie was, like, horrified. She's like, of course, I would never make fun of anyone with fertility issues. I was trying to, you know, think on the top of my head what kind of thing I could say to get you to stop asking questions. Then the rest of the reunion was pretty much all Deandra versus Leanne. Now, a couple tense moments I wanted to go through. So Leanne says that she's seen two therapists, one for her regular therapy and one to make sure that she's taking the show in stride. Now, Deandra was like, well, you never told me you were seeing two therapists, to which, you know, Carrie chimed in, oh, I actually, you know, just, she just recently told me about this. And then Deandra gets so mad that Carrie is inputting in this conversation and is like, Carrie, I'm talking to Leanne right now. Thank you very much. Um, Then Leanne calls out Deandra for speaking condescendingly to Carrie. Um, And then Brandy asks Leanne to name her therapist, which I thought was pretty ridiculous. There's no reason to name your therapist. But then Brandy basically says that Tiffany from season one had told her that Leanne has never gone to therapy. To which Leanne responds that Tiffany has seen her in therapy her entire life. So Leanne doesn't believe what Brandy's saying about Tiffany. But I, you know, I kind of believe that Tiffany came to Brandy and told her this. Maybe Leanne and Tiffany are not as good of friends. Maybe... I don't know, maybe Leanne's not in therapy. Although it's really interesting to hear her talk about the amygdala in the brain. And she gets some things right and some things very off. Like when she talks about, you know, your amygdala truly is your fight, flight, or freeze response. But it doesn't mean that when you're, you know, going through a situation that triggers the amygdala that the rest of your brain shuts out and no blood goes to it. I mean, that's definitely not the case. But she's like half there, you know, the amygdala really is the the center for anxiety and fight, flight, or freeze. And people who suffer from PTSD, they're, you know, have kind of scarred amygdalas. But the way that she talks about it is just kind of like, oh God, you don't fully get it. And it's just coming across like you're crazy. And Deandra is saying, you know, okay, so last year was PTSD. This, this year is your amygdala. What's going to be next year? And, you know, Leanne's like, well, I, I still have PTSD. And then I think I kind of understand where Deandra is coming from because she says, you know, I have had a lot of trauma in my past, just as much as you, but I don't like act like an asshole all of the time. So I think Deandra is frustrated because Leanne and her have both had really troubled childhoods, troubled pasts. We learned this year that Deandra's father committed suicide. Um, I know that we know Deandra was in an abusive marriage or relationship prior to being with Jeremy. And so she's had a lot of trauma, that's true. But people handle it differently. And I think that she's frustrated to see Leanne use it as an excuse for her poor behavior and her lying, which comes across 
like she does it so callously that she she forgets she even lied and one example of that was when Andy said you know in your blog on Bravo you mentioned that you recorded the conversation with Mama D and that you never used the term alcoholic to describe Deandra and when really pressed it turns out she did not record that, but she records other phone conversations, business conversations, and everyone's like, you can't record people without their consent. And she just kind of shrugged. And so everyone's like, well, so then you lied. You lied in this blog post. And she said, you know, well, if no one's going to have my back, then I'm going to have my own back. And it made no sense to me. I just, I really, I do feel for Leanne. I feel like she's been through a lot. I feel like she's sort of trying, but at the same time, she is her own worst enemy. And she cannot seem to break this cycle of like, when she feels backed up in a corner, she lies. And that doesn't make her look good. And it makes it hard to believe things that she says moving forward, which is what I think Brandy is dealing with. Now, one rather interesting thing from this episode was Carrie and Deandra's falling out. And I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. But we find out it is due to a bunch of texts that she had sent to Cameron and other things that she'd been saying about Carrie that just weren't very nice. So, you know, Carrie just said, you know, she doesn't like how Deandra's acting, how she's picking on Leanne, and Deandra just loses her mind and she's like, Carrie, I'm sorry, you haven't had a fucking opinion all year and now all of a sudden you've got balls of steel? And, you know, Andy acknowledges, yeah, it seems to me as though, you know, Carrie's been a bit more restrained this year and Brandy chimes in, well, until the cameras go down. And I believe that. I believe Carrie made a concerted effort to come across as neutral and restrained and, you know, told her husband, you better come across as a loving, devoted husband and father, and that is it. Because last year, her husband did not come across so well, especially, you know, with regards to his parenting. It was sort of like his child was annoying him. He didn't seem like he was that hands-on. And this year, he came across totally differently. So I feel like they had it in their head, this is what we're going to portray. And I believe that to an extent. At the same time, if her and Deandra are truly friends, this makes no sense why Deandra is, you know, constantly going for Carrie. But I think part of it is that Carrie and Leanne have made up and they're on okay terms. And part of this is that Leanne divulged the source of the you know, person who told her that Mark, Carrie's husband, gets his D sucked at the Roundup, a gay club. And it turns out it was a disgruntled florist. So once Carrie figured this out, she was like, okay, I know where the rumor was coming from. Leanne should not have repeated the rumor. She did. She's apologized. She's owned it. And now we have hung out as couples, you know, me and my husband Mark and Leanne and Rich have come over for dinner. And, you know, Deandra was just so pissed at that. She's like, in what alternate universe would you invite someone to your house who said your husband got his dick sucked at a gay club? But, you know, this is the world of housewives and people do forgive and people do move on. And I'm not sure why Deandra can't figure that out. Um, It's like because she's finally upset with Leanne after all these years of being friends with her, she wants everyone else to see what she's seen. And I don't know why at this age women can't just let each other decide who to be friends with. Like, if Stephanie wants to be friends with everyone, just let Stephanie be friends with everyone. And if Carrie wants to be friends with Leanne and also with Deandra, she should be able to do that, and everyone just needs to calm down. Now, the text that inflamed so much of this ends up being brought up. Basically, Cameron alleges that Deandra sent her a text, and this is how it goes. It's about the hard night good morning. I think it's like one of her events going on. She says, they've known about this date for so long, and I've had to put up with Brandyland and Lemon Avenue Laser Bullshit Center and everything else. I mean, come on. Carrie and I compete because we sell skincare products, and she and her team have messed up so many people's faces that I know but can't speak about. I have to be nice and play along because it's the right thing to do. I'm sure Bravo owns a portion of their businesses. And Deandra says that she never sent these texts. And, you know, Cameron's like, 
are you kidding me? I have this on my phone. I'm showing my phone, to which Deandra gives Andy her phone, and he cannot find the texts on her phone. Then Leanne alleges that Deandra has two phones. Uh, Deandra calls Leanne delusional, says she only has one phone. And, um, you know, Carrie basically says she was hurt. She says she thought her and Deandra were friends, and the texts hurt her feelings, that she was saying disparaging things about Carrie and her business and calling it a bullshit laser center and saying that she'd mess up people's faces. I'd be hurt, too. I mean, that's a really nasty thing to say. And at one point, you know, Cameron's like, I'm telling you, you sent these texts. Let's call AT&T right now. I will call AT&T. And Andy's like, we're not calling AT&T. And Brandy chimes in, well, maybe we'll all get free phone service, Um, which gave me a chuckle. But Deandra insists that she did not send these texts and that it was a bunch of BS that's fabricated by Tweedledee and Tweedlebitch on the couch next to you, she says to Cameron, referring to Leanne and Carrie. Now, after this aired, Cameron goes on Twitter and actually posts the entire text thread. She says that she, you know, cut out some parts or didn't show some parts just out of to be nice because some of the things that Deandra said were far worse than that. But it really looks like Deandra said those things. And I have to believe Cameron. I mean, why would she lie about this and it seems like perfectly reasonable things to be annoyed by if you know you've got your own business and other people on the cast have their businesses and their businesses are receiving more attention perhaps because bravo has a stake in them and maybe bravo doesn't have a stick doesn't have a stake and you know hard night good morning whatever it is Anyway, it was very dramatic, and at one point Andy says that maybe Robert Mueller needs to get to the bottom of it to try and lighten the mood, but it becomes very clear that, you know, this is going to be a major source of tension moving forward, and so if the cast remains the same, it's definitely going to have some shakeups because, you know, Carrie and Deandra were definitely friends before this, and I don't see that getting better and because I don't think Deandra will own up to it or apologize and I can't see a situation in which she didn't send the text and it somehow fabricated that seems pretty far-fetched but you know if anyone has any ideas about it please share now the reunion concludes with talking about Brandy's drinking everyone agrees she does not have a drinking problem Leanne says that she only used the term alcoholic at one point she apologized for that Um, But then Stephanie really comes in and comes pretty, not hard, but, you know, pretty honest with Leanne and is like, you're saying it without saying it, basically insinuating that she has a problem. And, you know, it puts a label on her that's unfair because it's so untrue and that's not okay. And Leanne nods and agrees and she apologizes to Brandy. Um, And then it ends with talking about whether or not she... Leanne lied about taping conversations such as the one with Mama D. It turns out she tapes conversations routinely, which uh, Andy's like, how very omarosa of you. Um, it was pretty hilarious. I cannot wait for the second part of the reunion. I can't believe it's only two parts and not three. I love the ladies of Dallas. I think they're a fantastic ensemble cast, and I really hope they uh, don't switch up the cast too much because I think the six of them make a pretty good ensemble together. Anyway, hope you all have a great week and we'll have a new episode next week. Take care. So that's it for this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe and follow on Twitter and Instagram at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week. Thank you.